Welcome to Momentum Church. We're in this uh, recalculating series. It's all about the idea of whenever you make wrong turns in life. Uh, some, some people, y'all made really wrong turns in life. Some of y'all got back on track. Some of y'all are still wandering down Bob's Road somewhere. And, um, yeah, this week, what I want to be able to talk with you about is the idea of driving on autopilot. Anybody driven on autopilot before? I, and I don't, look, I don't mean like if you've got a nice car and you're doing self-driving stuff that's above my head. Like, I mean like you're just mentally, you're on autopilot. You're just kind of driving and, you know, you, you kind of know your territory. You know what you're doing. You ever like... You're supposed to drop somebody off at like a, a friend's house or something, but you're driving to work, you know? You're supposed to go to the grocery store, but you're driving to the baseball field. I don't know what it is. You ever do that? Yeah, yeah look, I'm going to need y'all to match my energy because I got too much to give. <laughs> right? Okay, so you drive on autopilot. You're just familiar with your surroundings, right? That's pretty, pretty dangerous way to drive. This is the worst part of it. Have you ever done this before where you're driving along and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't remember the last five minutes. <laughs> How did I get here right now? That's a scary feeling. Like, did I hit an old lady? I don't know. I, did, I, did I outrun a police officer? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a really dangerous way to drive. Uh, and some scientists will actually say that's micro-sleep. You know how scary that is? Micro-sleep. Like, your brain, literally, part of your brain is trying to go to sleep while you're still driving. That's a bad day, especially if something bad happens. You're just, you're kind of on autopilot. You're just, you're just driving, you know? You're not paying attention necessarily to all of the things that are around you because you're just, you're comfortable, you know? You know the space. Reminds me, have I told you guys how I accidentally poisoned my children one time? No? Okay. Y'all can sit back and relax because it's a good one. So <clears throat> my kids came up one day to visit me at work here and... Um, we were outside, and I noticed there were some wild onions growing randomly, and so I was like, kids, have y'all ever eaten a wild onion before? And immediately, I don't know why, they assumed that I was pulling their leg. Like, I do this often, because I do. And so I was like, no, really, I'm not messing with you for real this time. Have you ever had a wild onion? You just pull it out of the ground and eat it. They're like, no. So I pull one out, and I, you know, dust off most of the dirt, and because God made dirt, and dirt don't hurt, Right? So I, I take a big bite, and they're like, oh, this is the coolest thing you've ever done in your entire life. Like, I'm really boring, apparently. <laughs> and so they go around. I'm like, look, here's how you find them or whatever. So they pull them up out of the ground. They eat some, and they're all excited, and then the breath smells bad. And so we go home a little bit later. I'm like, guys, I know that we got some at home as well. I've seen them out in the yard um, in some different places. And they immediately hop out of the van. They go and they start finding these, these different wild onions. And they're all excited because these are bigger than the ones at churches because my house is more blessed. <laughs> that was a joke. So they pull them up out of the ground. They're like, look, I got a big one. And that's not really how they talk. I got a big one. And so then they're, you know, they're chewing on these wild onions. And so I'm like, that's cool. 30 minutes later, we have to go to baseball practice. And we're all carting the kids to get together and um, we're walking out the front door and then Gabriel comes bursting back in the door. Whoo! Going to the bathroom, slams the door. I'm like, that's normal. And <laughs> so he runs in, he slams the door and then all of a sudden I hear him yell, mommy! And I'm like, he didn't call for me. 
so she goes in there and he's throwing up. We're like, all right. Well, he hasn't, it doesn't seem like he's been sick. Like it doesn't seem like he's had any other symptoms. He just randomly threw up. We're going to baseball practice. Go contaminate other children because we don't normally do that. But for whatever reason, that's what we did that day. You can judge me later. Focus. All right. So we get in the van and we're driving. And then Gracie's like, my throat feels weird. I was like, oh yeah? What does it feel like? Well, it kind of, and all over the van. I'm like, I can't escape this one. So now we have to turn around at this point. Um, So we're we're turning around and heading home. And I'm like trying to put all the pieces together because it was just Gabriel and Gracie and my youngest didn't throw up. And I'm like, you know what? Only Gabriel and Gracie ate any more wild onions whenever they got to the house. And then you ever get that light bulb moment? And you're like, oh no. <laughs> All of the pictures from, the, from just a few days ago start flashing through my head where I wanted to kill all the bugs in the yard and use Roundup to kill all the weeds in the yard. And I poisoned my children. Oh yeah, yeah, it was that bad. It was bad. I mean, they're, they're fine now, thank the Lord. Yeah, I was just, I was so comfortable with my space. Like my house, my yard, it's not like we're doing dangerous stuff, you know, like on the side of the highway, dodging cars, trying to get wild onions. I don't know who does that, but we weren't doing anything dangerous. I was comfortable with my space. I knew my space. There's nothing wrong with my space, but I was so comfortable that whenever it came to doing just the normal things that we would normally do, I didn't pay attention to the micro details. And that's what the Lord wanted me to tell you today is that today needs to be a wake up call where we pay attention to the micro details. Everybody say micro details. Micro details are important. They're very important. And see, like anytime in a development process, you could find yourself in one of three kind of categories. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're developing a relationship, doesn't matter if you're developing at your job or your finances, whatever it is, if it's a development process, you can fall into one of three categories, guaranteed, okay? Uh, today, what I want to focus in on is obviously our development with Christ in our everyday lives, because that's kind of what we do here, all right? And, and if we understand that our development with Christ intersects with all the different areas of life, every micro detail of our life, Christ intersects with, okay? So in that development process, you could fall into one of three categories, okay? So the first category is the category of excelling, okay? Like, I want to do whatever I can to just go as far, as fast as possible with Jesus. I'm going to, I'm I'm reading my Bible constantly. I'm doing Bible studies constantly. I'm reading on my own. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to good worship music all the time. I'm, I'm trying to pray constantly and develop my prayer life. And um, I'm watching everything that comes into my house and watching how I carry myself out in the community. Like they're watching everything because they really want to excel in their life with Christ. Okay. You, you can find that, and, and for you, maybe you're in this category, but like maybe not for your entire walk with Christ, but at least one area or something like that, okay? So these different categories could be broken up based on some of the categories in your life. Some of y'all compartmentalize a little bit, and that's, that's all right, I get it. Okay? So you find this category of excelling. You're doing everything that you can to maximize your relationship with Jesus. The second category 
is the category of crisis, okay? Crisis. Now, this is whenever you've made like a big time wrong turn. Now, you realize, you know it. You've got an addiction problem. Maybe you've got a, a, a relationship problem. You've got You've made some really bad financial choices and now you're struggling hard. I don't, there's a lot of different ways that you could end up in crisis, okay? But the people in crisis, whenever they realize they're in crisis, you know what they do whenever they believe in Jesus? They go to Jesus and they're trying to figure out everything they can do to get back on track, okay? That's the idea of being in crisis, but, but having a relationship with Jesus means I recognize it. I'm trying to do everything I can to get back on track, okay? Those are the people in crisis. And you might have, once again, a compartment of your life that's in crisis and maybe not the rest of your life. But then we have the third category. And this is the majority of people, and I've talked with several of you um, throughout the years about this category that I call the third majority. And this is where most Christians fall. And they're the category that says, "Mm, I'm fine. I mean, I'm not excelling, but... I'm also definitely not in crisis. I'm fine. Everything's good, you know? I mean, finances are fine. Sure, I'd like some more money. That'd be a good thing. I wouldn't turn down more money, you know? Um, my kids, I, I deal with normal kid stuff, you know, that everybody else deals with. Uh, marriage is fine. Uh, general relationships, job is fine. It's all fine. You know, my relationship with Jesus, it's fine. It's good, you know? I trust in the big man upstairs. Uh, you know, we, we talk sometimes and that's good. I read my Bible sometimes, so I, yeah, it's all, it's all fine. Right? That's, that's autopilot, okay? And, and that's where a majority of American Christians fall, right? A majority of the people in this room most likely will be on autopilot just to give you a heads up. But I need you to understand, this needs to be like a check engine light in your car, right? Nobody, everybody hates the check engine light. We hate it and love it all at the same time because it's like, ugh, I got to spend more money. But if I don't spend the more money, then my car breaks down, right? This needs to be that check engine light kind of sermon for you, where if you're on autopilot driving in the I'm fine category, it's the most dangerous place that you could possibly be. I know nobody wants to be in crisis mode, but at least the people in crisis have already hit a a bottom point and are now trying to get back out. Most likely... For most people in the autopilot category, in the I'm fine category, most likely you will not go to excelling. You will go to crisis before you start trying to get your stuff together. That's the the sad reality. Now, my prayer is is that you answer the check engine light this morning. Okay? And I want to go to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. Because we can see where Joshua kind of gave into that, that autopilot kind of moment. But um, while y'all are going there, I'm going to put up Deuteronomy chapter 20, and I want to explain some stuff to you because this does need a little bit of explanation because it's kind of weird and controversial. Can, can we all agree the Old Testament has some weird stuff in it? I mean, New Testament does too, but at least it's like the love of Jesus and all of that. Old Testament has some weird stuff that at times can be really hard to explain. If you've never done any research, this passage of scripture is hard to explain. You do a little bit of research and you realize it's really not that difficult to understand. All right, so Moses is the guy that brought them out of Egypt, brought them across the Red Sea, um, and led them through the wilderness, trying to get to the promised land. God has promised this land of Canaan, this this nation, this territory, um, to the Hebrew people. 
He's promised it to him. And he's like, look, you're going to go into cities that you didn't build. You're going to live in homes that you didn't have to build. You're going to have vineyards that you didn't plant. Like, you're going to get a lot for free, basically. I mean, it's not for free. There is a cost, but you're going to get a lot of it, okay? And, And here's the thing that you unfortunately have to get about this is that in order for them to go in and possess this land and to be blessed with all those resources of the things that other people did, the labor that other people did, those people had to be either driven out or killed. Okay? That's what we don't like talking about. Some people, some uh, uh, materialist athe- atheists like to come against this and say, well, this, this uh, killing of all of the people in Canaan, that's genocide. Why would you ever have a, a loving God that would do genocide, okay? So I'm, I'm going to read this, this, this verse because we're going to get there, okay? However, in the cities of the nations the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, that land of Canaan, do not leave alive anything that breathes. Everybody say anything. That's an important detail. Do not leave alive anything that lives. If they came across a lizard in that area, kill it. It's breathing. Kill it. Okay? Which means, right, if we go into the humanistic portion of this, that means every single person that you come across living in that land, kill them. Now, this turned out to be a happy sermon. <laughs> kill them all. And we don't like the idea of that, right? It's an angry God. That's an angry, like we don't serve an angry God. That's why we have a new covenant of Jesus who loves everybody. Well, bad news, good news, like it, Jesus and God, they're the same. Um, so we kind of have to reconcile that. This passage and his declaration to Moses and Joshua make a whole lot more sense if we can understand what exactly was going on in Canaan to begin with, Okay. I, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to create a metaphor for you, okay? There's a hypothetical cult in Alabama, because that seems normal. <laughs> I'm from Alabama, so I can say it. Hypothetical cult in Alabama, all right? And this hypothetical cult has taken and created this giant metal urn that they worship, okay? And they, they put a big fire inside of it. They light it on fire, get it blazing hot, And then they take their children and they lay them on this urn that is now blazing hot and they allow their children to to be burned to death. But while they're burning to death and screaming in pain, they beat the drums louder so that the moms can't hear their children being sacrificed on these altars. Can we all agree that if that was a legitimate case in Alabama, that we'd be like, that cult deserves the death penalty. Can we agree on that? That cult does not, and I get it. Jesus loves everybody, can forgive everybody. I get that. But at the same time, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. That cult would deserve the death penalty if there was ever anybody to get one. That's exactly what the Canaanites were doing. That's exactly what they were doing in the land of Canaan. They had this idol uh, of a god that they named Molech, a giant bronze, I think he was made out of bronze, it was some kind of metal bronze idol that they would light a fire inside. Then they would sacrifice babies on that blazing hot idol and beat the drums louder so that moms couldn't hear their babies being sacrificed. 
God was not committing genocide. God was committing justice. And he said, I am tired of hearing these babies scream. I am tired of moms going home with tears in their eyes. I will bring about justice and these people will bring it. It's a different perspective. So he says, look, I don't want you participating in anything like this because this is an atrocity to humankind. And if you let anything live in that nation, you're going to end up finding yourself doing the exact same stuff and find yourself making such wrong turns in life. Turns that you said, I would never go down that street. But because you allowed it to be alive, it corrupted your heart slowly. So you have to remove everything that's alive in there. And if you do it, you will also walk into extreme blessing. Because I have not come to give you just life, but life more abundantly. Since the beginning of creation, God has wanted to bless his people. And I get that that looks like different things in different ways for different nations, but he's always wanted to bless his people. Always. And he wants us to walk into full blessing. And if we don't pay attention to micro details, it's really hard to do that. Now that we have some understanding, let's go to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. Joshua uh, and his army made it to Jericho to begin with, and they followed all of the micro details that God gave them down to a T, and they utterly destroyed Jericho. They went to Ai, the city of Ai next. There might be a Hebrew way to say that, but I don't know how to say it, to be quite honest. And uh, they, they made a wrong turn uh, and ultimately got defeated there. They came before God, got right in their actions, went back and utterly destroyed Ai. Now they're at camp. And Gibeon, Gibeon is like right down the street from them. Like if you're looking at a map, like here's their camp and then here's Gibeon. Does that help you? <laughs> That's how far away they were, right there. Okay. Scale does not matter. All right, I'm going to start out in verse 3 of chapter 9. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they also acted craftily and set out as envoys and took worn-out sacks on their donkeys and wineskins worn out and torn and mended, worn-out patched sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and had become crumbled. They went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you're living within our land. How then shall we make a covenant with you? Right? These guys, they were still, the leaders, they were still paying attention to the micro details. They're like, wait a second. This doesn't feel right. Something's wrong here. All right? But they said to Joshua, see Joshua's, Joshua, you're going to see, he's slipping into autopilot. He's not paying attention to the details anymore. We are your servants. Then Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God, for we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt 
And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions in your hand for the journey, and go to meet them, to say to them, We are your servants. Now then, make a covenant with us. This, our bread, was warm when we took it from our provisions out of our houses on the day that we left to come to you. But now behold, it is dry and has become crumbled. These wineskins which we filled were new, and behold, they're torn. These are clothes and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. This is all normal. Everything around you, you should be comfortable. Don't worry about it. It's all, look, it's all normal. It's all comfortable. So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask the counsel of the Lord. If you've got your Bible, you need to highlight that, underline it, circle it, do whatever you do. Okay? Did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. If you go back and look, like they've been talking to God constantly. What's the next direction? Give us the next direction. Give us the next detail of what we're supposed to be doing. This time, they slipped into autopilot and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. Came about at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Shephirah and Beeroth and Kiriath-Jerim. The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord of God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, we've sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them. Even let them live so that wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we swore to them. God said, do not let anything live. but they slipped into autopilot. They slipped into autopilot. And here's, beyond the fact that they could be, their hearts could be corrupted, which is a pretty bad thing. You know what I think is that a lot of times whenever we find ourselves in the category of I'm fine, everything's okay, what we have to understand is, is in that moment were, were the Israelites, were the Hebrews, were they still fine? Yeah, they were fine. I mean, they made, a, they, they made a bad choice, but uh, they're fine. Except that they were supposed to walk into Gibeon and all of that city was supposed to be an abundant blessing for them. Now, they don't have that city that God had ordained for them to be able to have. They didn't have the houses that God had ordained for them to have. They didn't have the food on their table that God had ordained for them to have. So were they fine in a sense? Yeah, they were fine in a sense, but they absolutely missed out on the abundant blessing that God had preordained for them to have. Are you in your life driving on autopilot thinking that everything's fine and everything might feel fine, but what you don't realize is that God had an abundant blessing waiting for you that you're going to miss out on? Maybe you're not in crisis right now. Praise God for that. But you're also not walking into the abundance that God had for you. Why? Because you didn't pay attention to the details. You did not. Take counsel 
from the Lord. Man, that stinks. And getting into the micro details, because I, I, you know, I, I think that this is where, so you might have said this. I know that I've said this. Don't over-spiritualize things, right? I've been looking for a car and, you know, I've been looking at Kia. Now I see Kia's all over the place, right? Oh, don't, don't over-spiritualize that, right? All right, well, sometimes I think we use that phrase of don't over-spiritualize it um, as a defense to ward off things that we should over-spiritualize. And, and we like to make fun of people that over-spiritualize the micro-details of life but aren't dealing with the same struggles that we are, by the way. And, and, and I think that we need to start being willing to say, you know what, maybe I should over-spiritualize some stuff in my life. And you know, you, you, I'm going to give you some examples. And I, look, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go even like medium detail, right? I'm not even going to go into TV shows and movies because y'all know. If you know me, you know that I think a lot of what you watch is crap. <laughs> I I think a lot of it is just like from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know why you think and talk the way that you do? A lot of it comes from the crap you watch. Uh, you can go check that one out for yourself. That one's free. You got to tithe for the rest of this, but <laughs> that was funny. It wasn't planned. Let's go into the micro details. Ladies, okay, ladies, let's talk to you for a second. There's that lady on Instagram. You know who I'm talking about. Maybe she's not on Instagram for you. She's on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or whatever it is that you're looking at. Maybe it's just a website. It's her website, but you know who I'm talking about. And she at least looks like she has the lifestyle that you want to have, right? She buys everything organic. She's in the shape you want to be in. She even makes her own soap, and her whole family friggin' likes it. Whole family likes it. She lives in a half-million-dollar house, that slightly resembles a barn, only enough to be considered rustic. Perfect children. When they exited the womb, they said, thank you, oh great mother, for all of your care in the first 10 months of life before I breathed. And secretly, you feel like you don't measure up to her because if you're being honest with yourself, you think that your husband probably would have rather married her. Every time you leave her site, her page, her posts, you always feel just a little bit worse about yourself. But it's okay. It's, it's, it's totally okay because, you know what, probably everybody deals with that. You know, that's just kind of the culture that we, we live in. Everybody deals with that. So it's okay for me to feel a little bit worse about myself every time I do that. And, and you just keep going back over and over and over again. You know, give me another beating. <laughs> I need to feel worse about myself. And you just keep going back. Why? Because you're driving on autopilot. You're like, ah, this is just what we do. We're comfortable here. Men, all right, let's do this. <laughs> Men, you see the half-naked woman walking through the store? They do that. 
They walk through the store. And it's impossible. Like they walk right past you, right? And when you would normally look away for whatever reason you don't, right? Man, if you don't do that, look, I'm going to help you out in your marriage right now. If you're not married yet, I'm going to give you the most brilliant piece of advice for taking care of your wife, okay? Whenever scantily clad women walk through the store or down the road, intentionally look away, right? They come walking in the store, suddenly you become really interested in Frosted Flakes. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know those nutritional facts. Your wife, I didn't know you like Frosted Flakes. Yeah, well, I mean, not enough to buy them, but to look at, they're great. Oh, all right, we're still looking at Frosted Flakes, okay. Well, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Younger Brantley didn't look away. I didn't. But I'll tell you, this is one of the best pieces of marriage advice that I could give you because I, I didn't know that my wife would notice. I had no idea that she was going to notice. This was, this was for me to, to, to keep myself in check. So then crazy half-naked woman walks by, I look away. I just keep on walking, frosted flakes, whatever it is, I'm looking somewhere else. And you know what my wife did? She noticed. And she called me out for it in the middle of Walmart. She's like, are you intentionally looking away from that lady? And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And what I didn't realize was how much it meant to her. And she's like, thank you for doing that. Thank you. Guys, if, if you're at a point in your mental life where you're not looking away, because ah, we're men, right? Men just look at women like that's what they do. Look, but don't touch. Look, but don't touch, right? Some of you wives, as long as he comes home to me, I don't care. That's dumb. Looking leads to lusting. According to James, when lust conceives, it gives birth to sin. When sin conceives, it gives birth to death. Death of relationship, death of your mental space, death of a spiritual connection that you once had with God. As I'm telling you, it's a micro detail. You think God really cares about where I look? Well, yeah, man. Jesus said that if you think, if you think it, you've sinned. He cares about your thoughts. He doesn't care just about your physical eyes. He cares about what nobody else can see. Yeah, he cares about the micro details. I'm going to give you the last one. Last one, this is for everybody. Last one is for everybody. What do you agree to in conversation? Like, just because you're being polite and carrying on conversations. I have an out, because I'm awkward sometimes. I'm awkward in conversation sometimes. I just am. Like, and for those of you that don't know me hardly at all, you see me up here and you're like, oh, he talks. You know, he's probably fine in conversation. One-on-one, it's weird, okay? <laughs> sometimes. I've gotten better through the years, praise God. But sometimes it's weird, right? And, and you want to make things more awkward, say something I don't agree with. And then I'm going to blame you for it being awkward. You come into a good conversation, you can blame me. You say something I don't agree with, I'm blaming you, Okay? Because here's the thing, we just agree with stuff that people say. Just because we're being nice, we're driving in autopilot in our conversations. This is just what we do. Somebody has some bonehead thing to say and we just agree with it. You know, well, everybody's going to deal with it, so you're going to have to too. 
whatever the it is. You know, look, recession is coming. We're all going to suffer during that time. I'm sorry, but last time I checked, I was a child of God who has all the resources on heaven and earth. I don't have to suffer. Am I saying that I'm not going to be impacted? Am I living in some sort of delusional world? No, I'm not. But I'm just saying that I don't always operate by the world's economy. And sometimes whenever I don't see everything that's going to happen and how all the pieces are going to fall into place, I still have had enough stories and and faith to know that whenever I partner with God in my finances, guess what? I got something that you don't. People will say stuff like, well, you know, your dad had to struggle with this and you're going to struggle with it too because it's genetic. Bull crap. I'll tell people, I'll be like, no, I don't receive that. And then the conversation gets real weird whenever I have to say that. I'm like, no, I don't think so. And you know what? Look, you need to understand, like, I'm not saying that you have to live in a delusional world, right? Bad stuff happens on this planet. It does. We live in a dark place. You have experienced sadness in your life. You have experienced discontentment. You have experienced bad stuff. All I'm saying, and I know that we all deal with it at times. All I'm saying is, is I'm not going to welcome bad stuff into my life by agreeing with a bonehead statement that's not grounded in any kind of faith. You want to say, just wait till your kids get older? I'm going to tell you, you just wait till my kids get older. You say, well, you're going to have to deal with a lot of crazy stuff whenever you get older. No, I'm not. In Jesus' name, I don't welcome that mess into my life. There's a responsibility on my part to take care of myself. I can't do nothing with my life and expect God to just put a magic bubble over me. But at the same time, I'm not going to welcome it. I'm not going to agree to small details that, that I shouldn't be agreeing with. And and a skeptic in here will be like, man, I think you're over-spiritualizing it. Darn right I am. You know why I'm over-spiritualizing it? Because scripture says, don't give the devil a foothold. Any rock climbers in here? Anybody rock climb? One person, okay. I'll just talk to you. One person, look, my kid, my, my, my oldest son used to do rock climbing. A foothold, do you understand a foothold could be like that big? Like on a big old wall, all you need, all, all a rock climber, a professional, which by the way, the enemy is a professional at what he does. All they need is something this big to just get a toe onto and they are locked onto the wall. You're telling me God cares about things that I say? Absolutely, I'm telling you that. Why would you expect anything less from an enemy? Why would you expect anything less from, from the one who, by the way, scripture tells us, His whole job is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Why would you expect him to play fair? He don't play fair. I suggest we start paying attention to the details. Whenever we start driving on autopilot and not paying attention, because we're comfortable, we're comfortable with our surroundings. We stop paying attention to the possible dangers on the outside of us. And by the way, when you start driving on autopilot, you're driving with that open door policy. And let me tell you what, I know you would never say this. Nobody would ever say this, but this is what's in your heart. As long as the demon is small enough, it's okay. I'll deal with it later. 
As long I'm bigger than him, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. But can I tell you, there's also plenty of scripture that talks about whenever demons get together, unclean spirits, like it's rarely just one. It starts out, right? Little guy comes in. Little guy gets in the car and he's like, all right, where are we going? And he's like, man, there's a lot more room in here than what I thought. I thought this guy was filled with the Holy Spirit. He ain't. Not as much as I thought. He scoot over. Hey! Hey, there's more room in here. And then they welcome the bigger one. And they're like, oh, you, you want me to scoot over? Okay. And then that guy calls, right? And then all of a sudden what started out as a little foothold became a really easy hold. And I'm not talking about like you're going to be possessed by a demon. That's not it. But you can be oppressed. Okay, there's a difference. Dang, I wish I had more time. I don't have more time. You can be oppressed, okay? You can be affected by spiritual things. Let's just say that. You can be affected, right? I may not, I may not be able to get inside of this water bottle, but I can definitely knock it over, right? That's kind of the difference. I can't get inside of it, but I can definitely affect it. That's what happens when you drive with that open door policy in, auto, in, in, in uh, autopilot. Drive with that open door policy. Ah, it's not that big of a deal. Let's not over-spiritualize this guy. I'm telling you, it's dangerous. You're in the most dangerous position when you're driving an autopilot. And I'm praying, dear God, in Jesus' name, please let this check engine light say, I help you fix it. Let's get you to excel and not have you roll down into crisis mode. Here's what I'm going to do. All right, I got a list here. I've got a list. I want you to pull out your notebook, pull out your phone, write this down. I wanted to print this out and give it to you, but if you're ever going to develop at anything in life, right, you can't be given everything. You got to work for it. I like, it doesn't matter what you're developing in. You got to work for it. I don't care if you like want to become the world's best gymnast. You want to be the world's best accountant or you want to be the world's best Christ follower, it takes work. So I've got the list. I'm going to read it to you. And, and here's, the, here's, the, here's the hopeful portion. You can get yourself out of autopilot and I will help you right now start addressing micro details. Okay? And here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit down and you're going to pray through this list one at a time, one item at a time. And you're going to say, Lord... Is there anything in this category that I haven't paid attention to that I should pay attention to? And then if you think of something, which inevitably at some point through this list, you're gonna think of something. I, I can almost guarantee it. What I want you to do is I want you to repent and people don't like that word, right? But that's okay. Get comfortable with it. Repentance, that's part of it. It's realizing I made, I made a mistake. I messed up. God, I'm sorry. That's what it is. God, I'm sorry for that. I, I shouldn't have done that. Whatever it is. Let's just say, let's just walk through a TV show. Okay, a TV show. Man, I should, you start praying and you're like, God, I should not have been watching that TV show, should I? And the Lord's like, no, you definitely shouldn't have. You're like, all right, so I'm gonna repent. God, I'm sorry for, for watching that TV show and not paying attention to what I should have paid attention to. You repent, then you renounce it. All right, you renounce the agreement that you came into with it, right? Whatever that is, whether that's of death whether it's of sexual misconduct, whatever it is, 
And you realize, because the Lord's gonna talk to you, the Lord is gonna show you stuff. And then you say, Lord, so I've already repented. I'm sorry for that. God, I, in the name of Jesus, it was not my intent to come into agreement with that spirit of death, with that spirit of worry, with that spirit of fear, with that spirit of anxiety, with that spirit of depression, with that spirit of lust, whatever it is. It was not my intent to come into agreement with it. God, in Jesus' name, because you have that power as you're saved, in Jesus' name, I break that agreement right now. I break that contract right now in Jesus' name. And then you replace it with the things of God. Repent, renounce, replace. And here's the thing, if you, if you need any help with this, you start walking through it and you're like, uh, I think I'm on the right track, but I need some extra help. Email me. If you have my phone number, call me. My email, brantley at momentumchurch.tv. Brantley, B-R-A-N-T-L-E-Y. Email me, let's, we'll get together. We'll talk through it. If you're a female, I'll probably connect you with my wife or Pastor Amy or somebody, okay? Let me get you connected. Okay, we got other people in the church that can certainly help you through that. Now, I'm gonna give you the list. Are y'all ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, let's, let's go through this list. I'm gonna give you a chance to write. First category is finances. Finances. Once again, you, you may not be an autopilot on all of these, right? This is, you, you may find it's just one thing here or there. Okay, finances is the first one. Marriage, it's the second one, marriage. You're gonna take time, you're gonna pray, schedule it. If you're too busy, schedule it. Schedule 30 minutes into your day, this week. Don't delay, do it today if you got to. If you can, do it today. Friendships is the next word, friendships. Are there people in my life that I know I have no business being around? I know that they don't help me. Well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bring them to Jesus. Yeah, you're spending all your time around them. They're trying to bring you to Satan. Look, if you got a friend in here, if you got a friend that you're trying to bring to Jesus, don't spend all your time around them. You spend some time, you visit them with love and kindness in the blood of Jesus. You spend all your time with them, they will corrupt you. That was free too. Conversations, conversations. What kind of conversations have you had? Ah, God, I didn't. You know what? I did say that. I did agree with that. I shouldn't have agreed with that. God, I'm sorry for agreeing with that. Lord, I cancel that contract. I cancel that contract of sickness over my life that I, I came into agreement with. I, I cancel that, that contract of, of depression over my life. I cancel that contract of addiction in my life. You know, I dealt with addiction for a while. And I, it came back to a point where someone told me, you have an addict's personality, and I agreed with them. And through lots of prayer and counseling, I, I found that one spot, and I was like, ah, I agreed with it. And I broke it off in that moment. Praise God, man, I haven't had to deal with it. All right, next one, TV slash movies. Any shows, movies that you're watching that you're like, eh, this doesn't feel right. Music. Oh, don't attack my music. Online. Anything online that you're not, that you shouldn't be looking at. Comparing. Comparing. Are you comparing yourself to, to, to other people? All right, this is the weird one, but it's already been weird this morning, so y'all are okay with that, right? Art in my house. Art in my house. Are there any pieces of art? that the Lord would say, yo, I know that you didn't know what you were buying whenever you bought that, 
because you can't read Chinese, but I can. <laughs> right? Maybe you got a piece of art in your house that needs to go. Other religious practices. You practice in Buddhism at home? Because, well, they're peaceful people. You go into horoscopes, going to psychics. Last one. Any books that you're reading? Are there any books that you're reading that you're like, ah, I probably shouldn't be reading this. It might be obvious. And here's the thing, I wanna give you permission right now. Okay, permission right now. Whenever you come to a conclusion with God on any of these topics, you don't have to explain it to anybody. Unless you're married and it's like a piece of art or something in your house, well, then you gotta talk with you know, Why'd you get rid of that painting? Well, this, I felt like God, okay. All right, look, you got a book that you're reading that seems relatively fine. I mean, there's nothing overtly wrong with it. A movie or something that you're going to watch. If you go to watch it or you go to read this book, whatever it is, and there's something in your stomach that you can't put your finger on and, and fully explain, but it's like, Ah, there's, I just shouldn't be reading this. If anybody asks you why, you don't have to give them an explanation. Well, what's wrong with that book? What's wrong with that movie? What's wrong with that show? Honestly, I couldn't tell you, except that I felt like God didn't want me to read it or watch it or whatever. I, that's all that I got. I wish I had more, but I'm just trusting God is speaking to me. And he said, I shouldn't be reading this book, so I'm not going to read it. That's the only explanation that you have to give. And it's okay, because sometimes God will give you a, a discernment on something, but not give you full explanation. Because to be quite honest, you don't need full explanation anyway. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. Be okay with that. Be okay with that. Y'all are gonna take time this, this week to pray through that. I wanna hear your stories, because y'all, somebody's gonna have some crazy awesome stories up in here. And as soon as you have a crazy awesome story, we want to know about it. Those are stories of hope. Crazy awesome stories, small cool stories, right? Small stories. Look, I haven't been reading my Bible and I realized I was living in autopilot. I started reading my Bible this week. That's a story of hope right there. I want to know about it. Don't be, don't be embarrassed about sharing that with us. Look, that's development. That's a good thing. That's a story of hope. Y'all are going to do that this week. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for this room full of people, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the micro details, God. You cared so much about us, God. Lord, I wish we could teach some more right now, God, on, on the intricate plan that you had through all of the feasts in the Old Testament, God, that ultimately were, were small uh, signs all along the way, all of the 600 and something or more prophecies that were very specific about micro details about the coming of Jesus as the Messiah for the world, God. I thank you for the micro details, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would awaken us, awaken our hearts, awaken our minds, open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual ears, God, so that we can pay attention to the things that maybe we've fallen asleep to. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.